This is The Camp with Zach Heilprin and the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Yes, welcome into The Camp. I'm Zach Heilprin. That's the Athletics' Jesse Temple. Badgers getting ready to head on the road for the first time this year. They go to Washington State to take on the Cougars. It will be kick time locally, 6.30. Out there, it's going to be 4.30. But Wisconsin... A little bit of a little bit of revenge after what happened last year, and was uh, Washington State coming to Madison? They beat them seventeen to fourteen, despite you know Wisconsin's uh, defense largely holding Washington State in check. That offense that obviously put up fifty points this past week was pretty good to start last year, but it was also the first year of that system at that particular school. So probably a little more comfortable, and certainly Cam Ward looks that way last week against Colorado State when he threw for 440-plus yards and three scores and ran for another in 40 yards. So it's going to be a huge challenge for Wisconsin, and they are looking forward to it. We got the chance, we had a chance to talk with several players today, including uh, Mumajong Mehta, who started at linebacker last year for the Badgers, and he was asked what he remembered. You actually asked him the question, Jesse. You asked him what he remembered from that game, and he went right to after the game, and Washington State jumping on the W – and the whole story about Nakia Watson coming back to Madison and getting the win over the Badgers. And he said, quote, uh, <laughs> I remember them storming the field and jumping on the W. Uh, I remember their social media was just, you know, social media does just uh, kind of a narrative of, you know, Kiki coming back and uh, winning against his former team. That whole narrative. Um, I'm, you know, like I said, very excited to go to their house and, and make things right again. I wouldn't expect anybody to say anything different. You lose, you don't like losing, and you get a chance to play a team again in their place. You want to, you want to do what you can to make sure they feel the same way that you felt. And what's interesting about last year is Wisconsin was a top twenty team at that point. We had no real reason to believe that it was going to lead to what we saw over the next few weeks, uh, you know, they, they lost to Washington state and then obviously lost to Ohio state and Illinois, but this was kind of the beginning of the end for the Paul Christ era. Obviously there were things behind the scenes that went back a little further, but in terms of on field results, I don't think very many people saw this one coming. And even players that I talked to on Tuesday said they, they kind of expected to start the season three, and and go into a week four game against Ohio state and maybe weren't, thinking about Washington state in the way that they should have, which clearly was a mistake. Yeah. And yet you look at some of the things that Washington state did. Cam Ward went 17 for 28, 200 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. They ran it for 53 yards. Did Washington state. They, the, the huge thing was a lot of big plays. They gave up Wisconsin, gave up a 43 yard reception, a 38 yard reception, a 31 yard touchdown reception to Keel Watson, who, ran through a tackle attempt by Kamoe Latu to get in the end zone, one of his two touchdowns on the day. So defensively, they did enough. And offensively, Graham actually played pretty well. I mean, he had 227 yards. He had a couple of touchdowns, had one interception that was not his fault, in my opinion. I mean, he got drilled from behind as, as the ball was coming forward. That was essentially the, the game sealer there at the end. His QBR was 78.4. That's usually you're going to win games when you're, QBR is that high and they were, but they couldn't get out of their own way at times too. penalties were a huge, were certainly a huge factor in that game. 
So they have a lot of people to blame. I don't think Washington State is necessarily the team person to blame, though, for for last year's loss. And I and that kind of felt like a lot of their losses last year. It was not about what the other team necessarily was doing outside of Ohio State. It was not necessarily what the other team was doing. It was their mistakes that that led to a lot of losses. But do you know what they were ranked at this time last year going into that game? 19. 19. Where are they ranked this week going into this one? 19. 19. So they are not, uh, they were 17 and a half point favorites last year. They are six and a half point favorites now. It opened, I believe, at four and a half and has risen up here a couple of points. But it's going to be an, it's going to be an interesting game. And I think we uh, got to talk to, in, in talking to Hunter Wolder today, he just thought, asking him, what's the difference between Cam Ward this year and Cam Ward last year? And I think he just thinks he's a lot more comfortable. And that kind of showed up against Colorado State when he threw for as many touchdowns as he did. What What is a challenge of dealing with him, do you think? Well, he's got the athleticism to hurt you in, in different ways. Obviously, we saw what he can do as a passer in week one. But if you don't make him, you know, uncomfortable, he can hurt you on the run too i mean those are those are dynamic dual threat quarterbacks that can give any team problem and it's something that wisconsin's defense talked about guys on defense talked about on tuesday is that they've got to do something to get him a little off kilter and and make him uncomfortable and i think i'm really intrigued i imagine badgers fans are intrigued as well to see whether wisconsin can scheme some things up to do that because we're still after week one wanting to know more about the defensive line and the outside linebackers and whether they can have more of an impact. And I thought it was interesting. I asked Luke Fickle on Monday about those two positions. He specifically said at the defensive line and and said that even though he felt the team was sloppy, that was not a position group that he felt played sloppily. He actually thought they did very well. So there's a lot that uh, is going to be, have to, Wisconsin's going to have to figure out here. Yeah. I mean, Colorado state, had 10 tackles for loss. They had three sacks in that game against Washington state. The reason I'm grinning when you're talking about how well they played or how well, how well Luke fickle thought the, the front played is because we the had former we nose had, guard. What, right. Yeah. I mean, look, he, he gave geo pies his player of the game. And I don't know if you saw that yesterday. Did you? Yeah. He, so they, they, they're giving out these players of the game. And obviously you know, which, which guys got it on offense, Braylon Allen and Ches Malusi. And on special teams, it was Hakan Anderson. And on defense, it was Geo Pius. And I don't think we mentioned Geo Pius's name at all uh, when we talked on Sunday. But again, I, that was still a huge question for me going into that game was how are they going to stop the run, especially in their lighter packages? I don't necessarily think they stopped the run great. But for maybe maybe some of that was more the tackling issues than maybe what the defensive line was doing or what the, the, the linebackers are doing. But... It, it, I think there's a little bit uh, a validation for people that thought the front seven played a little better than they actually did. I mean, I will see to Luke Fickle's judgment, obviously. I don't think he's going to, based on what we've seen in nine months, blow smoke up anybody's butt. <laughs> if he doesn't think they played good, he's going to get after you. And so for him to have the kind of praise that he did uh, with the defensive line, it says a lot. And I think there are times where what they're doing goes really unnoticed. They may do something that doesn't result in a, a tackle or something in the box score but it altered the play and he's in a position to be able to see that in much greater fashion than i am given his background and and what he's looking for he definitely is i wanted to get into a little bit of what he said yesterday because I, I had some people in my dms about his personality after the game or the way that he acted after the game 
where he was very, very disappointed. And he talked about how he was asked about expectations and whether it matched his expectations. And he said he had delusional expectations. And some people took that to mean like he was disappointed in, in, in what happened on the field. And I, I think he was, but I don't think it was the fact that he doesn't think they can be great. I think it's because he thinks they can play so much better than they actually did. I think some people may have taken that as a shot against the team. He he came back out yesterday and said, you know, I probably should have been a little bit happier, but it's really tough to be that when I know how sloppy we play. And it wasn't before the snap or after the snap. It was during the, the, during the play. And he talked about the three things that they wanted to be able to do. And that was, you know, take care of the ball, leverage defensively and tackle. And they, those are three things that he thought they didn't do very well. So he was very introspective about like how he felt after that game and was still thinking about it on Monday. I think this is a good thing. And exactly why Chris McIntosh hired Luke fickle, his expectations are through the roof, but I don't think it comes from a, a place of, um, you know, an impossible situation. Like this is, this is, he says he's delusional, but it, to your point, it's the fact that he demands excellence from this group and he believes that they're capable of meeting it. So I think that's where it's coming from. And to me, I look at it more of accountability is tremendously important for him. And that's what he demands from his players is accountability. If they're going to put in all this work and all this time and you get out there and, and don't perform to the level that he believes is possible and that he expects of you, it's going to fuel you to want more. So I, I actually look at this as a good thing. I think he does appreciate the victory, but it's much easier. Like I think a lot of competitors to look at what you didn't do right, as opposed to what you did well. It was very stark in contrast of talking to him and talking to Tanner Mordecai and talking to almost anybody else after the game on Saturday. Would you agree with that? I mean, it just, it just felt like certain it's, it's, it's not even how they played. It's just, the, the things that stick with them stick with them. And it's like, this is what I'm struggling with right now to be happy, you know, won a game by 21 points. First game went since you overhauled the program, since you did all these things that are very difficult to then hit the ground running with, and you still win by 21, but because of who he is, because of both, both of them, of who they are, they want to be perfect. They want to be able to hit on it every single little point that they emphasized throughout fall camp and it didn't happen. Well, Tanner Mordecai went 24 for 31. And I think the stat from UW was uh, the most completions by a quarterback in his debut for Wisconsin ever. Obviously they're running an air raid, but 24 for 31. If you just saw that and you were a Badgers fan, you'd say, I'll take that. But two of those were interceptions and two, and then there are two plays as we talked about in the previous show that you absolutely can't make certainly for a six year senior. On the other hand, there were a lot of good things that he did. But when you are a competitor and you play at the highest level that you can, that's what you're going to focus on. And that's what you need to focus on if you want to help take this program to the next level. Yeah. And I, I asked him today, like, you know, you guys won the game, but you were not obviously happy about the way you played. We could tell in the post game. And how long does it take you to flush that? And he just said, I went home, I watched the film and, you know, you move on. That's what you have to do. And he's been through it so much. He's been through so much in his career that he understands there's going to be ups and downs. But I I know, and it's obvious, you don't really even have to say this, that he wanted better for his first, his first day, his debut with Wisconsin. He wanted better because the last time people saw him was a spring game and that wasn't who he was either. 
So we'll see. They uh, Washington State is going to obviously put up uh, a test for Wisconsin. Uh, they did Washington State, or excuse me, uh, Colorado State did put up over 300 yards passing against them. They also turned the ball over twice. So if Wisconsin can limit the mistakes and limit the 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 penalties, which were obviously a significant issue last year, it's going to be a good game. But Wisconsin's the better team here. It's just a matter of whether they can correct what went wrong this past week and be a little bit more dynamic in the passing game and limit the big plays in the passing game. Those are, I think, be more dynamic in the passing game and limit the dynamic plays from the opposing offense. And I know it seems so obvious, but to me, like that is where the the biggest issues were for me last week. I think of the two, the one that I'm, wondering about the most is defensively how they're going to contain cam ward i know they did a fairly good job last season and what was interesting too about last year is wisconsin unveiled that dime package which we really hadn't seen i think maybe they did it in the bowl game the year before briefly but uh, i even remember the first five minutes washington state was going down the field looking like it was going to score a touchdown and the badgers had six dbs out there much different kind of look from what we saw or what we're seeing under mike tressel but they got an interception and and it sparked them early. But um, I do wonder what the secondary is going to be able to achieve. And really the front seven too, because you got to get pressure on him to, so he doesn't stand back there and just chuck it down the field. I'm, I'm pretty confident in that group of DBs, but you, it's, it's an, it takes all 11, right? They always say, do your one eleventh. I know that's cliche, but that, like they're, I think the passing game will be better for Wisconsin offensively than it was in week one, but the defense is going to be challenged in a totally different way. I think. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Buffalo didn't really hold on to the ball long enough to throw the ball down the field too much. Right. right. So there, there wasn't a ton of opportunities to get after the quarterback. And again, we won't get in the pressure stuff. We don't need to bring that up again, but I think uh, pro football focus did enough and we're just going to meet in the middle here and save us nine or 10 pressures. But they're going to try and throw the ball down the field. Washington state will, and he's going to look to get out. And when the pocket does break down, he's going to look to get out of the pocket and continue to try and throw the ball down the field. And if not, then he'll take off and run. But yeah, it's a, it's a huge challenge. And I think it's a bigger challenge than last year because he seems to be more comfortable now than he did than he was last year. So, but th- there is the the revenge factor a little bit to it too. Before we get any further here, I wanted to bring something up that you told me that is some of what Wisconsin did on offense. And maybe this is just to hit people over the head with it um, and what it means to be in the type of offense that they are in now, the type we've, we talked all last year and we've heard so many guys talk about it, banging your head against eight man boxes and banging your head against really stuffed boxes that are tough to run against. What was the numbers on Saturday, what did they show about what Wisconsin did and what they had to face when it was 11 personnel and not necessarily in the same vein of what Wisconsin's offense used to be? Right. Well, one of the talking points all offseason and something that Ches Malusi and Braylon Allen brought up on multiple occasions was they would be facing lighter boxes in the run game because they'd be more of a threat in the passing game. They'd be spreading out defenses and the stat that I remember from last year, and I, I'm sure it was like this in previous years too, but I know last year it was uh, the teams that faced more eight plus men boxes. Uh, there were only three and they were all service Academy teams that ran the triple option. So 
you knew what defenses were going to do to try to stop you, but the defenses knew what Wisconsin was going to do. And the thing that was interesting about week one is when Wisconsin was in that 11 personnel, which is, you know, three wide receivers and a tight end, you're spreading out the defense a little bit more on the run plays. Wisconsin had 62% of those runs had six in the box. The next highest was 17% of those runs had seven in the box and then five in the box and eight in the box were about 10% each. Um, and I think that says an awful lot. I know we touched on this Sunday, but for all that talk out of week one about the passing game not being as explosive as you wanted it to be, just the fact that they had it dialed up in the way that they did with those formations allowed Wisconsin's running game to roam free. And I, I was talking to Braylon on, on Tuesday about this and Hayden Rucci too, about like Hayden's talking about what it's like to block and see actual space on the field. And, and Braylon, of course, is is thrilled to have fewer guys in the box so I think that is something that maybe didn't go as recognized in week one as it perhaps should have um that this is going to be a big part of Wisconsin's success it will be it will be the other part of last year's game that I kind of want to talk about because I know you're going to be writing about it which has also been a huge topic this this offseason with Brady Collins and the strength staff and the old off season, it was finish, finish, finish. Because what was their record in, in fourth quarter games? So right. one in four. Well, yes, as Luke Fickle told them on multiple occasions, one in four in games decided in the fourth quarter. So that has also been a. I know you asked Luke about it, and you're going to be writing about it. But this is the one of the teams that they did not finish against in the fourth quarter, and this has this is their. It, I know you said they don't have a revenge slogan or anything like that to you know, that we've seen in past years, but this is their first opportunity to get back at a team that, you know, beat them last year and kind of started what was the downfall, I guess you could say of the, uh, the rest of the year. There's certainly a lot of motivation for the returning players who went through uh, less than ideal circumstances last year, to put it mildly. And this was the beginning of the end, essentially for, for the Paul Christier, like I'd said before. And, um, that whole one and four thing was hammered into these players all offseason. When that day when I went to uh Squat Fest, when Brady Collins was doing his big workout day, the last day before they took a little bit break before the fourth of July, the very end, and they do this often, basically they call it finishers. It's a different thing that they do, whether it's in practice or workouts, but the whole idea is how are you gonna mentally push through something extremely difficult and not give up? And I, they were doing this thing where all the offensive players had were shoulder to shoulder. They were laying on the floor. Their feet were like six inches off the ground. And they're in just excruciating pain because they've already gone through their whole workout. And he said, uh, Brady Collins asked, um, you know, Chim Ray DK, he said, like, Chim, what was what was our record in the fourth quarter? And and Chim said, one and four, coach. And Brady said, never bleeping again um like you need to finish and have the fortitude to do that and that's a nice offseason storyline but this is kind of where the proof is in the pudding is when you get into those close games can you push through and a couple guys told me today they felt like mentally they struggled in that area last year now it's easy to say now uh, when you're a year removed from it, but I did think that was interesting. So we'll see whether that will come to fruition on game day, but it has clearly been a talking point all off season. Are you expecting a four quarter game? I, I don't think I would be shocked to be quite honest. Um, I just, 
I don't know what the environment is going to be out there, but I'm expecting a good one. Yeah. I I mean, I think it's going to be a a really good environment and I think it's going to be tough for Wisconsin, but I think the Badgers are going to win, but I I don't think they're going to roll over. There's a reason why, you know, the spread is a one possession game, even if it has gone up a couple points in my estimation. Yeah, for sure. And we'll make our picks out at Monks uh, in Sun Prairie on Thursday for Temple and Heilprin. And uh, I'll let people in that missed the show or didn't catch it on the podcast. Jesse's off to a roaring start. He's went four and two in week one. I went two and four. So if you're going to try and follow someone's picks, follow his, follow his. Sound the alarms. (laughs) Sound the alarms. Sound the alarms. So Wisconsin, again, we're going to be getting ready to go out there what, what's the challenge you think going on the road for the first time and especially uh, with a new coach Luke talked about this on Monday that it's just like you're not used to certain things you have less time for things um you know you got to go out there earlier you got to get acclimated I, I think it's all the simple things you would say about any team going on the road um I don't know how much it's going to impact once you get between the lines, but it's definitely different. You're going two time zones away to play a, a quality opponent that beat you last year. So I'm I'm definitely interested to see what it's going to look like for this group. I am very interested to see how Kamoi Latu bounces back because I thought, and Luke talked about it. He said he struggled. Now he said he struggled in the first half and then was a little bit better in the second half. I'm Maybe that's the case. Maybe that is the case when the, you break down the film but it felt like obviously way too many missed tackles and he's kind of blame he he blamed himself and i i do respect luke he's not going to just crap on a player just to crap on him either like he's going to tell you what he thinks but he's also going to you know own some of it and he said that he it was all about effort attitude effort attitude effort attitude and when you're talking to a guy like Kamoi Latu who is pure effort pure attitude and pure ferociousness trying you know when he's playing that maybe it got him a little bit too hyped up and maybe he it, it led to some of the issues where he was, he was going for the big shot as opposed to wrapping up and, and making the tackle. And the one time, you know, maybe he was trying to make a play on the play in the end zone, jump, a, you know, jump that route, the little slant route that he thought the quarterback, the uh, wide receiver is going to run. And he got outside, even though his leverage, he should have leveraged inside because that's where he, his help was. So that to me is very, very intriguing because they need him. He's going, he's going to be out there almost every snap. They need him to be the player that I think a lot of people thought he was at times last year. And I I think he's a really good player, but it's only, he can only be a really good player if he's actually finishing the plays in, in space, like he was asked to, and and he was not able to do against Buffalo. Right. Like I mentioned on the last show, pro football focus credits him with five missed tackles, which is, tied for the most in the country and based on what we saw that is certainly not a surprise any player out there on defense if you get your chance you've got to take advantage of it um I don't know what that looks like moving forward and and if if Fickle if he feels that way that Kamoe is maybe over eager to make a play does he make a move because he did talk about that sometimes you if a guy gets out of sorts you want to be able to bring him over to the sideline so he can regroup a little maybe see it from a different vantage point see somebody else take those reps but i don't know whether that's going to happen because he's such a valuable piece to that puzzle we do know like we talked about they've got five safeties that they at least feel good about even if we didn't see a ton of some of those reserves right and so that brings up another point the the cornerback spot where nazir forkering and 
uh, Alex Smith split time. And that was apparently that was the plan going in. And he thought Luke Fickle thought both of them played well. But I think it's interesting that he also thought that they should have probably tried to get Ricardo Holman some some rest as well and be able to play those guys, you know, both at the boundary and in the field. So you can they can all play wherever they need to be on the field. Right. But there's the field and the boundary are the two are the two different types of corners that they have. And Ricardo Holman played, I think, almost every snap on on Saturday, him and Jason Matry. And the others were split. I wonder if we see a little bit more split between the three of them this week. I talked to Ricardo on Tuesday, and obviously he's eager to play as many snaps as humanly possible. And I thought he did very well. Like we said, you didn't hear much from him and Jason Matry, and that means they either weren't being thrown to or weren't giving up big plays. But one of the names that Luke did bring up was Jonas Duclona because he emerged as a second team guy in the spring, as did Jace Arnold, but then Nizir Forkirine overtook Arnold and Arnold dropped back to the threes. Duclona held on to that two role all of fall, at least based on what we saw in those first couple of weeks of preseason practice. Now things may look different and I expect that they would if Air Force transfer Michael Mack was available, which we can get into as well. But because he's not, Jonas Duclona would appear to be the next in line. And Luke said as much. And he actually said that they probably should have gotten him in the game in week one, because he's not going to be someone that they're trying to save a redshirt for. He's going to play. And so I actually think that might be a little bit of what you see. Now, I I don't know for certain in this particular game, because that is a tough matchup for a true freshman getting his first snaps against a quarterback like that, who can air it out downfield. But I would expect to see Duclona in some capacity a whole lot more moving forward so maybe it's those top four guys on the outside that would that would be my perspective on where things are going to go in the future yeah michael mack you mentioned him there got his initial waiver denied and now they are appealing to the ncaa and it feels unlikely that the ncaa is going to overrule the air force academy on that but that is where things stand and and luke fickle not happy at all with the air force Academy saying I'm going to bite my tongue for now, but I'm not happy with the way that they've been treating him. This is now two. this is now back-to-back years where Wisconsin coach is calling out something related to one of the academies. Last year, you had Paul Chris calling out the NCAA for the way that they treated Bill Sheridan in the whole mess that was happening at air force. And obviously he had a step down and now you got, and we never actually got, because Paul Chris said he was eventually going to talk about it. it just wasn't going to happen at big 10 media days. He, he never talked about it. And now we got Luke Fickle saying the same thing. I feel like we're going to have an opportunity to, to get the actual what Fickle's upset with uh, on Michael Mack. Cause I don't think he's going to be leaving in October this year. So we'll have an opportunity. We'll have an opportunity to get that hopefully from him. So, yeah, I don't know. What else you got going this week? You got, you're going to be doing a story. We've, we've kind of talked about him a little bit here throughout the last few weeks in 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 uh, tight, tight end Tucker Ashcraft I know you've got you had an opportunity to chat with him and some people around him yeah I, again if you had Tucker Ashcraft on your bingo card for the true freshman in the 2023 high school recruiting class at Wisconsin playing the most uh, you win so congratulations I did not have him I didn't think we would hear from him for a couple of years but obviously the circumstances have changed and He ended up playing 33 offensive snaps for Wisconsin, caught those two passes for 36 yards. And I think his recruitment is interesting because 
you could say he was a late bloomer. When I talked to his high school coach, they played him at wide receiver as a freshman, didn't move him to tight end until the middle of his sophomore year. And he said the moment that really showed him basically, holy crap, this guy's got a potential future in college was the first game of his junior season there. It's on his highlight clips. If you go to huddle and you check out his junior season highlights, uh, there's a play in the first minute or two where he runs this wheel route and they're at the 42 yard line. And the DB who's going up against him is a kid named Tobias Merriweather. who's a four-star wide receiver at Notre Dame. And uh, so he was playing DB and Ashcraft reaches up and snatches the ball away at the 10 and scores his 42 yard touchdown pass. And it just makes you realize that there was some natural gifts there. There's another play where he's lined up with his hand in the dirt next to the right tackle. And he catches a short pass on the right hash and he lowers his shoulder and literally knocks the kid's helmet clean off. Like the helmet goes flying five yards. So it's, it's some of those traits that were, were, you know, very exciting out of high school, but I don't think his recruitment would have been very exciting, obviously, if things had stayed the way that they did at Colorado uh, when he committed, but Colorado, Fired its coach October 2nd, same day Wisconsin fired Paul Christ. And that obviously put things in flux for Ashcraft and ended up at Wisconsin. So, I mean, it's a huge win for the Badgers, but I don't think anybody saw this coming when preseason camp began. No, but we do get to thank Deion Sanders for it, right? Yeah, we do. I, I asked Tucker about that because, I mean, look, this is not unusual based on what we've read the last few months. There's Tucker was one of 15 guys in that 2023 recruiting class that ended up decommitting or being um, having it explained to or not explained to that they were not going to be a part of the program but he decommitted once Dion was hired and then there were obviously 46 guys who entered the portal from Colorado after Sanders was hired the interesting thing with with what Tucker said was uh, a couple weeks before Dion was hired he said he, he got a message from the recruiting staff that like you're a prime kind of guy and then he never heard from the new staff. And at a certain point, the old staff was kind of like, hey, things are moving pretty fast. You might want to look elsewhere. Tucker was smart enough to realize before that that he should start looking elsewhere. But he said he he never heard anything from Dion's staff in the 48 hours or so after he was hired. So, <laughs> so it goes. But it worked out for Ashcraft and for Wisconsin. He said he couldn't be happier with the situation. And I think uh, Wisconsin tends to agree. Yeah, and obviously things have started out well for for Deion Sanders and company out of Colorado, and very much so. Yeah, and, and things have turned out quite well for Tucker Ashcraft in terms of, and for Wisconsin in terms of him coming and him being ready to play and him being here and them needing him to play. It's kind of a very good marriage to this uh, to this point. Well, there was a Twitter question that we got on Sunday, and it was about the snaps. Right, it was about this this whether the slowness of the snaps somehow impacts the offense. Cause it felt like it was the tick slow. And maybe that was last week. I don't remember exactly when was it. I feel like we answered that question on Sunday. Either way, Luke fickle was asked about it. And I don't think that he has an issue with it as long as it gets back to the quarterback. And he also said the quarterback kind of has an idea of where he wants the ball to be. Maybe it doesn't need to be fired back there. It just needs to be in the right spot where he wants it every single time. But he also mentioned that, you know, this is Tanner's first year playing center and doing it in an offense where you're quick, quick, quick. And, you know, it was better. He said it was better than it was in the spring and better at better than at times it was in fall camp. And that's what they're looking for. Would you rather have it be fast and off target and ruin the play or a little bit slower and everything's fine? Um, <laughs> I think we know our answer to that, but 
it is a change. It's a change for everybody. And I think Tanner's done a, a much better job. It's not always going to be perfect. You know, it's a, it's certainly much different from what Wisconsin did in the past, especially with all the under center stuff. But I think he's taken to it pretty well. Um, you know, it's not his first time playing center, obviously, and it's not his first time shotgun snapping. I mean, he he played center in the bowl game when Chase Wolf was the quarterback, obviously played center as a true freshman against Iowa. But yeah, with the pace and everything, it's just so much different. I, I think I think he's done a pretty solid job. Do you think the pace this week that Washington State plays with Wisconsin will be more prepared for simply because facing it their own offense all uh, spring and all, all fall camp. Yeah. I, I asked, or is it overrated Ricardo. a little bit? No, I don't think it's overrated because I, I asked Ricardo Holman about this too on, on Tuesday. And he said, absolutely. He thinks it's, it's going to help, but I mean, they've Washington state goes probably even faster than Wisconsin is, was one thing they've said, but when you're at least coming from a place of having seen a similar look, I think that's beneficial. Now it doesn't mean Washington State's going to run the same types of plays that Wisconsin is running. And in that regard, it is going to be a challenge. But I don't think it's overrated because this defense has now had the 40 practices between spring and preseason and a little bit of time since then to acclimate to that kind of pace. Yeah. There are some conditions in this game, though, that are going to be just a little different. This this is not a big stadium by any stretch. It's probably about the size maybe that some of the guys that played in Texas played in front of at times. I mean, it's going to be about 30, a little over 30,000 people is, is what that stadium holds. So it's a little bit more uh, intimate uh, of an environment, but because of what happened last year, because of what happened week one, because it's a nationally ranked team, because Washington state's getting left behind in the pack 10, the pack four, the pack two, I guess now getting left behind. I think that there's a lot uh, of motivation from both sides. You get Wisconsin not being happy about what happened last year. They have a whole new staff. They have a whole new offensive and defensive system. They're ready to prove that they were, that was not who they were last year. And you've got Washington state with much bigger picture, I think <laughs> uh, issues that are affecting that program and that school. But I think uh, because of those things, it's going to provide quite the atmosphere on Saturday night uh, in Pullman. And I'm looking forward to being there first time, obviously, being at Washington state. Cause I think it's the first time Wisconsin's ever played at Washington state. Either way, we will be out at monks in Sun Prairie on Thursday from six to seven, come out and see us there. You can also listen on zone Madison, or you can find it wherever you get your podcasts. We are looking forward to being out there. It's going to be Jesse's birthday. Come buy him a shot. Come buy him a, a beer. How old are you going to be? 39 and feeling fine. So right. last year, last year in the thirties, you gotta, gotta, I won't say go out with a bang. Cause hopefully there's a, a lot more to look forward to afterwards. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so uh, we'll we'll celebrate that on Thursday night as well. Until then, uh, thank you very much, Jesse. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is, Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.